Alright, so as we are going to wait for the final few people, we have about 20 of us in the room already. So that's great. I see some familiar faces as well as people that, uh, you know, have joined us maybe for the first or, or second time. Uh, really very happy today to be have, helping um, the Akin team to be moderating this session. And I'm, I'm so very happy to introduce one of our, our old friend as well as a fellow volunteer for one of the bots that... Uh, I'm sitting on, which is TTAP uh, by NTUC. In here, we over at TTAP, we, we want to be able to help, uh, especially mid career change professionals. And Catherine has been instrumental in setting it up, uh, being in that position, which is where the first touch point I met her. And it's really very happy to have you on board here, Catherine. Thank you very much for accepting this invite. Thank you, Alvin. It's it is lovely to to meet uh, marketing people, especially in the community, uh, people who set things in action, right? I'm always <laughs> sitting behind giving all the uh, data to people, you know, but then uh, you guys are the one in the front line. So happy to meet all uh, of you. Yeah, that's great, man. So Catherine is like, you know, yesterday I was just, you know, really puzzled around how do I even introduce you because you have, your list of accolades will take up the whole of this webinar if I have to say it all out. <laughs> you know, you really have like experience across the MNCs like IBM, Cisco, and of course, you know, you were also a, a young lecturer and even a, 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 a chief um, intelligence system practice over at ISS last time at NUS. Yeah, and I understand that, you know, right now you are the uh, Chief Intelligence Officer, CIO of Data Analytics Capital, which I'll be very excited to get you to introduce as well. So, you know, today's agenda is to really to sort of explain a little bit of your perspective on data insights, right? The whole world is always talking about data and insights, right? <laughs> like how important, you know, big data that leads to AI, ML, and a lot of those nature. But I, I think today we just want to break it down. What exactly and how important is data? How do we maybe bring some of those data into applicable insights? And generally, that will be the gist of today's agenda, right? So... Before you know, we, we deep dive into that segment and really try to dig uh, and tap on your years of experience, maybe Catherine, I'll invite you to have an introduction and maybe share with us a little bit more about what DNA Capital is doing. Right, right. So I won't take the whole session just to introduce myself, Elvin, uh, but I, I like to um, express you know, my, uh, my entire data career um, is so closely tied with uh, marketing as to collect data to understand market share, market forecast, competitive landscape, and so on and so forth, and customers win loss. Um, it's so dear to them. All these insights, so they spend lots of money with us, a few hundred thousand wow. dollars a year. Um, and, and really, it means a lot to the business, right? To be able to get insights like, you know, why do your customer choose you and why do your customer not choose you? And, you know, where's the market going? What's the adoption rate like? Uh, what's your competitors um, doing? And so on and so forth. And, and so I had the luxury of entering this data um, market really, really early but back in the 1.0 days, right, where mm. many of these things are still pretty much analog in the sense we design questionnaire and surveys and we talk to people. But so, so I must say that, you know, 
um, data is important. The insights that brings to the business is so critical. Mm. Um, it brings you to the directions where you can actually uh, do proper investment. One of the example was um, actually we sized up the whole um, international trade markets uh, exporting from China back in the early days of 2000. And so DHL bid for the first carrier to um, actually fly off Shenzhen, mm. you know. So to bid for a license like this, you need a proper, you know, um, sizing and forecasting of the market. But of course, today it even get more exciting um, as my career evolved. Um, it went into um, IBM and Cisco and really look at international market. And you can't be, you know, when I was doing that in Greater China, you know, customers are countable, you know, with your hands. But as you mm. go internationally, how can you cope operationally uh, at that scale? Mm. So that's where, you know, the whole uh, data strategy and really understand what sort of insights really help business to make better investment, you know, a better you know, positioning of their resources and so on and so forth. It's become even more critical. I can see the impact beyond just ad hoc investment. Mm. And of course, all this, you know, even get even more uh, uh, exciting is today in the digital uh, world as, you know, industries and companies get more digitized, right? And we need to, there's a speed of the need to get insights um, before, you know, your competitors or to act uh, timely right? Before you lose that sale, it's even more critical. So yeah, that's, uh, that keeps my data life really, really exciting. And uh, so, so I had the luxury to learn how to teach people uh, from when I was in NUS and really uh, look at what, what are the key uh, areas that people should focus on in order to harness um, the vast data that we have today. I don't think we are short of data, but mm. we are really short of understanding how to squeeze, you know, the insights, mm. you know, out of the data. Yeah. Sorry for the, you know, long introduction, but... <laughs> oh, Catherine, I was expecting you to go like 10 more minutes because you got really so much in, like, like experience and intellect, intel, it, it, intelligence collected over the, the years, right? But yeah, no, what you said was was really a great uh, primer to what we want to discuss today because like I picked up one thing, right, which is this this one um I would say way that you explain data is not commonly known to the, the layman. By layman I mean myself, right? Because we are more in the digital uh, say marketing space. So that one sentence that I say, Catherine, is why customers choose or not choose you. Right, that's very fascinating. Could you maybe explain a little bit about, about how how is this even done? How do you even start thinking about uh, a simple sentence like that via the data perspective? Hmm. So so first thing first is actually a decision making process of your customers. Hmm. Really understand, you know, uh, what's going through their mind, right? Are they price sensitive? Are they looking for some aesthetic factors? Are they looking for availability and so on and so forth? Really, we're all human. 
um, if you look at your customers, the buyers, right? Really understanding what goes through their head. And we mm-hmm. ourselves are buyers too, right? So mm-hmm, when, when you go to, you know, if you buy a FMCG products, you know, the, the case studies I think most often cited in schools was like the difference between a decision making in um, consumer product. If you go to McDonald's, it could be, it could be the kids wants to eat. I mean, the parents pay, but, mm, yes. you know, who makes the decision what to eat? The kid makes the decision what to eat. So really understanding um, who is making the decision, mm. what is the decision-making criteria, who is the influencer in the mm. whole uh, process of purchase, mm. right? And one thing to note is a B2B and a B2C uh, sort of uh, business model is also very different. The decision-making process, understanding what's going through, it is, I think, most critical. Of course, in there, then there are different criteria, right? Um, the, the the very specific uh, criteria in terms of price performance, right? But then there are others very subtle, um, very subtle uh, factors as well. Mm. There's also influencer, uh, okay. which is getting more and more important in 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 this uh, in this space today, right? And, and how important influencer in getting people, I mean, referrals. Previously, it was word of mouth, but today, you know, we can actually look at how influencer influence purchases. So, so yeah, really go back to the human, go back to the customers and, and really go inside the head to first understand why people choose. There must be certain decision-making mm. criteria. Mm, certainly. No, I think that is absolutely critical. And just like what you mentioned, right, everybody has bias and like impulses, right? And some of those impulses, if we can tap on to nudge them towards um, thinking something or agreeing to, you know, be convinced of something, I think that's a very powerful uh, mechanic and thought process to have. So Catherine, like, just like what you have mentioned, right, over here, when we do marketing matters, we often use the same kind of decision journey planning. So we are, we are aware of, or rather, it's not aware, we are assuming correct a lot of things uh, we're assuming for example this is perhaps a middle-aged married a person with two kids so the kind of shopping behavior online or offline will be influenced in a certain decision now the question i want to pose you and i'm sorry Kashin, today my job is to ask questions right so i'm, I'm going to <laughs> not stop at one why i'm going to ask three more why's is is that so basically, from a marketing perspective, we do a lot of assumption. We will go in and we test, lah, right? So a good test would be, okay, the performance of the advertisement is, is greatly increased. Um, conversion rate greatly increased. But from your perspective, from the data lens, when you may not have that um, on-the-spot kind of reaction, because uh, I will assume, right? I will assume data is where, in hindsight, there's a lot of things being collected already in Excel form, a lot of numbers. How, how do you start maybe validating some of your previous assumptions with this point? Is there a certain approach that you have when you're approaching data to, to get these kind of insights? To get the insights on their, the different effectiveness of mm. the, two, uh, the two programs or before and after. Are you saying that? Yes, correct. Because like, there's, there's, there's a few people in the team who, when they heard, you know, we are going to invite you over, the first question is, how can you even tell such things from numbers? <laughs> right? And, and, and they were like, yeah, what, what, what are the examples? Like, we cannot grasp, they cannot grasp how this translates. 
yeah, it, it, I would love to have your thoughts on that. Actually, actually, you know, in the in the in the very very old old school, right? I mean, um, it, it goes back to statistics, mm-hmm. which most of us fall asleep during our class. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. All right. Me too. All right. So, so you've heard of A/B testing, right? Um, mm-hmm. A/B testing is nothing more than tests of proportions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, different mm-hmm. groups exactly. of people. How do they respond to different things? Is the response higher than the other one? Mm-hmm. Effectively, we're just measuring that, right? Mm-hmm. And today, today, actually, um, it's no longer the way we do it in the spreadsheets anymore. We can mm. do it dynamically, dynamically on the spot because you can configure things digitally so fast. You can change all your advertisement to a certain message or a certain font and in whichever that actually resonates better. So the one that I think when uh, Obama president, when they were raising funds, right? Mm. That is like, uh, you know, change, you know, the, the, the statement on change. They tested a few messages. So instantaneously, they saw a better contributions in terms of the fund raised for that particular statement. Mm. How quickly can you change all your all your campaign statement to one digitally mm. it's That'll so be, fast yeah easy you mm. can get samples you can get you know um, really significant uh, results and, and well proven and tested results almost almost real time I mean mm. no, no way we're doing Excel spreadsheets and calculate it anymore right of course if you have printed you know, hard copies and things like that. You have to go back to your print house and reprint and redistribute it and so on and so forth. Yes, that will take some time, right? Mm. But today, we're talking about, you know, uh, doing this digitally. No, it's lightning speed. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 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 And your competitor is doing it in lightning speed as well, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Amazon even offered that as a service. Yeah, 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 exactly. so, so therefore, I think um, your different marketing mix strategy and so on and so forth. The way it, the, the main challenge is sometimes we do not know how to configure it. Yes. And when we, we don't design configure it properly, of course, the data that we collect, we cannot decipher it because it wasn't collected for its intended purposes. Yeah. So configuration uh, the, the, the way to configure the experiment is uh, what's most challenging uh, to most people. Mm, mm. Interesting. That is exactly, actually, uh, use that to segue to my next segment, right? Because we all understand how data and insights are very important for brand businesses, right? Uh, getting your ROI, getting the right investments to work out fine, um, and then the mechanics, right? Targeted marketing to be efficient, and etc. Uh, you mentioned earlier it's about premise, so like vision journey. So we do kind of heard from you about the setup. But I want to maybe recap on something that you shared with me earlier, Catherine, when we talk about a data strategy at large. Um, exactly at the point that you mentioned earlier about the need to have a good configuration, right? And you did mention before you even talk about strategy, you should always think about what's your data blueprint, right? This is a lexical, this is a, a vocabulary that we used previously, am I right? <laughs> uh, yes. I think before you even have a blueprint or, you know, my other analogy is what are you going to do with it? 
it's like you know what what is the what is the the use of that outcome are you going to do your testing are you going to do something right mm. it's like you know my analogy of cooking right are you mm. are you baking a cake or are, you know you have egg sugar and things like that but you know are you baking are you baking a cake or are you testing you know the eggs or what, mm. what is it that you want to get out of it before is it what ingredients do you need and what ingredient do you need data strategy right so really what's the purpose it must be mm. purposeful collecting data is not cheap nah. so <laughs> so just like my customers will pay me a few hundred thousand dollars you know uh, mm. i collect data but it's not the amount of data that uh that, that it really matters but really what is it going to use for right it mm-hmm. is used for a multi-million dollars investment Mm. Uh, just like a 3G uh, beating, for example, that costs about 350 million, wow. right? 350 million um, dollars to operate over the air in Taiwan, right? Mm. And they are paying uh, a market research of about 80,000 US dollars, mm. right? It's a decision that will affect, you know, it's not um, the 300 records or 600 records that I collect, but really it's the forecast, mm. you know? in terms of the market adoptions and market size that they want to see. So in order to come up with the market size and forecast for 3G adoption before 3G was even launched, mm-hmm. right? I need to decide I need to design what data to collect and what sort of analysis I will be performing in order to get the forecast. How granular I want it to be, you know, and so on and so forth samples and so on and so forth so really with the end in mind first then of course you know um, what sort of data how granular um, that you want the data to look like mm-hmm. uh, also depends on the mechanism that you're familiar with mm-hmm. all right so so all of that has to work hand in hand but you don't collect data first and say oh okay let me see what i'll do with it. <laughs> okay no 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 that's not the way to do that Oh, I, I I love that analogy. It's like when you want to cook part Thai and then you go and collect everything for like char kway teow, then doesn't make sense. Actually, there's some relevance there, but yeah, that's that's what you are saying, right? Uh, you don't even know what you want to cook. <laughs> the thing is, you go to the supermarket, they say, ah, oh, maybe I should buy the yellow noodle and the kway teow, and I like I like tau ge. Uh, maybe I put broccoli. I also like vegetable. I have some mm. vegetable in there. Then you know you you get all sorts of things, and you come back then. Then he says, what can I cook with it, huh? You know, that kind of thing. Right? Mm. No, 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 no. You already had a pad thai in mind. So you have a recipe for pad thai, right? Mm. Then mm. you go and do your shopping, right? Mm. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, by the way, listeners, you know, if you don't know, and Catherine is a great cook, like she is the most, she has some really authentic recipes itself where, uh, by just thinking of it, I cannot focus my my articulation. Really, it's just too yummy. Catherine, I, I, yeah, it's time for me to go over to the office once we can. <laughs> <laughs> once we can, once we can. Okay, let's go back to our data, uh, uh, talking, and then we can yes. have the same analogy. But yes, yes, yeah, I'm cooking a banquet. I know my audience uh needs to be a vegan or whatsoever. Then mm. I have planned my menu. And I know that I need to use certain appliances. I have this, you know, skills, this, this techniques that I need to use in order to produce all of that. Then I go and 
um, look at all the ingredients uh, that's available and how, how I should be preparing those ingredients. All right. Mm. Very similar, very similar to data strategy, right? Just like I said, you want to know which campaign is effective and you want to actually have an experiment around it and you know the techniques to use. And then, you know, you know, how should you be configuring it means that what sort of data, how should you set it up? You know, how granular should it be? How many factors are you including? Because you're testing, you know, which are the factors that actually means, right? Is it the sentence? Is it the font? Is this the color? Is this the image? You know, so those are the things that uh, you have to consider and say, okay, that's the kind of data and the variations I want to test the sensitivity of adoptions and things like mm. that. So, so that is the configuration that I think a lot of people um, are not familiar with. Right, and, and that's where you need some uh, design of experiment uh, skill sets. Whether you're in marketing, actually in marketing or in engineering, um, there's something called design of experiment. Mm -hmm. It's doing exactly that, right? And what do we do? We have the object that we want to study. Then we have all the factors. Then we have all the grand, uh, the the intervals or the range that we want to test the sensitivities, and then we do a proper test. So mm. yes, those things that we learned in statistics, it was boring and we fell asleep, uh, but they are actually quite useful. In <laughs> fact, sure. very useful. <laughs> Later on, after I graduate from school, then I said, ah, okay, uh, it does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, Catherine, I, you, you, you hit the, the head of the nail of today's agenda, which is really about what should you even... Uh, keep in mind before you proceed on to saying, you know, I would like to use data to give me some hypothesis, right? Or even before a start of any experiment, like what you mentioned, know what is the outcome before you plan on what to track and gain your data, right? Um, hence the shopping portion. Yeah, the intended use of it. But one thing to note, mm -hmm. um, while you care, you can actually... Uh, design something totally biased that will totally agree with your um, your initial so-called hypothesis, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there, 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 are, there are people who can do that. I mean, mechanically, technically you can do that. But mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's what you intended to use it for and then carefully validating it with the data. Mm -hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. Then I, I think uh, that would be the thoughts behind. Got right? you. Not the final decision that you want. Oh, I really like this statement. Okay. You know, at, at the end of the day, I will somehow make sure that this is the one that, you know, they have no choice. There's only one statement. The rest of the variation is actually on other colors and things like that. Right? Mm. You can always do that. There's, there's nothing to do with the statement. You're not testing the statement if you're not putting two or three statements on there. Right? Mm. <laughs> so... So then you can tell, like, oh, this is the statement, like, you know, without knowing how the experiment is being set up. So really um, be objectives, understand what you're really testing, trust uh, the experiment if it's set up properly. And sometimes we do have to deliver bad news and things that we mm. don't like. I mean, you personally, you may prefer one or the other, but stay objective. You have to mm. stay pretty objective because what we want is how does the customer, how does the respondent really respond to it? our target marketplace, you know, how do they really respond to this? It's not what I like or what mm. I prefer, you know, um, I do have an agenda behind. So as an analyst, when you look at data, um, yeah, you have to stay pretty uh, objective. Then sometimes we say, huh? You mean really? Uh, 
they like this, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, true. Um, you know, and you look deeper into it, sometimes there's certain good reasons. There's a segment of people who are like that. Mm, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll just give you an example that, mm-hmm. you know, when I did the 3G studies, um, when people look at averages and single dimensionally, they would think that the market is great. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, those who love all the 3G features that we put forth actually cannot afford to pay. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm, very mm, young mm, people mm. they cannot that, that segment who loves it cannot afford to pay the mm. the people who can afford to pay don't need it mm. okay so if you took an average of everything uh, then you say the market you know in general will accept this and da, 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 da. then you took the average you know adoption price then you just multiply them wrong mm. Right, mm. and yeah. things like that. So, so really, you know, uh, when we look deeper into it, we say, yeah, true. The disposable income, you know, the price point, it will make us lose money, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. you think that market will adopt it. So, uh, people are interested, go and look at the curse of the three G, uh, <laughs> winner. I mean, there's scholars who wrote that. There's scholars who wrote that, right, and say the curse of the three G, uh, beat winner. Millions, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars have to be written off. That is only on the piece of paper. Okay? So that's the power of data and the interpretation of data. So I was in London with a group of telco forecasters. I spoke there twice. There's one time I talked about 3G forecasting, and Europe was super bullish about this thing, right? And I was like, how come? Why? Why? Why they? Why their? Why their direction is totally different from, from what I see from my research, right? Mm. So I I can't tell for sure that you know I was quite confident that I understand my Taiwan market really well, my research really well. I think I draw the right conclusion to tell the investor not to invest and so on. Mm-hmm. But I do not know what makes Europeans so positive, right? Because I don't have <laughs> access to their data. Yeah. But when they're presented, I know that some of them do average multiply by average. So mm. that's, a, that's a terrible mistake, mm. technically. Mm. But then, you know, over time, time will tell. Time will tell whether your research is uh, good or not, especially when you're dealing with forecasting. Time will tell whether your conversion rate will increase or not, right? Mm. But of course, yeah. now we're talking about very short time interval. Uh, why? Because the competition, the dynamics of the marketplace is moving so fast. Mm, 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 certainly. Well, that's a very, very illustrative, uh, a very good illustrative example to really just stand in what we have just discussed previously, like, especially when it comes to uh, how to approach things, what are the hypotheses, you know, layering that with the business objectives. Uh, and in the case of what you shared for 3D, is whether or not to invest in a specific market, whether or not there's even a demand for that kind of features, right? So, I mean, you, you know, you always talk about unique value proposition. Mm-hmm. Then, where is your data to tell that this proposition is unique? Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Value. What is a, where, where's the data that says that this is of good value, mm-hmm. right? Whose mm-hmm. value are we talking about, right? And so on and so forth. <laughs> so, so I think all that requires data to tell us 
not you know from somebody's you know just pluck it off the air and says yeah I think I'm very special you know this is a great value you know uh, and things like that right exactly. yeah, the data speaks for itself at least collect some data right yeah, of a yeah. similar office out there and then you tell me whether you're truly unique or not whether your price is really of great value uh, mm. you know and your features are of great value to the customers not to you know uh, not towards the company or the entity so you know that yeah. brings to the whole design thinking right of market mm-hmm. research from the first place for data collection right really your subject that you are interested in is not is not the product it's not the services it's the is your buyer is your consumer is your customer mm-hmm. I, I... Certainly true. I think a lot of product owners and marketers will be very afraid to, to, to state their claim in front of you, Catherine, because you'll be asking, where is the data? <laughs> but I mean, what, what does the customer say about your product, yes. right? Yeah. What does the customer say about, you know, where you, how you, your customer service or your availability or your supply chain and so on and so forth? The focus mm. should be on the customers. Yes, customer prefer this format. Customer prefers that. That's okay, but you know, um, a lot of a lot of company falls into the trap of focusing on the product and the revenue, the optimization, but forgetting about the really the focus on the customers. Yeah, can I want to play a diverse advocate over here, right? Um, in a sense, right, that there are quite a number of say product owner okay, designers, okay, who say that. The user, the, the customer may not know what they uh, may not know what they want. Because if you ask them what feature do they want, they may not be able to invent on the spot for you, right? So in this case, how will you use data to, to help justify a specific feature or a specific value proposition that uh, a team is designing for? Yeah, so so we have to look at the product maturity and the really the features out there. That's available as well. That's the first thing, right? Um, and, and look at you know what are the features that we want to include in that. I mean, we did uh, quite a lot of all these things uh, for uh, companies as well, and we we can we could test you know what's the variations in the different possibility. Like I said, we tested three G when three G doesn't exist. We can test five G when five G doesn't exist. You know. Mm. So what do we do, right? What do we do? We we then put some um, uh, ideas of what could be done in that in in the design of it, and and ask people to envisage mm, what they can mm. get out of this, right? And then then we test it, right? Again, it's the whole design of what are we testing? Mm. Um, do and put it in a very um. Real sense, right? So when there's no when there's no three G, there was only two and a half. Um, people were looking at stock markets um off their screen. At that time, it was free. Yahoo mm. Finance was free, right? Yeah. And now you say we can put it on that little phone. The little phone has got a very small screen, right? And so on and so forth. Uh, and but you said you said that it can be done, uh, real time on the screen. So so we use you know what is what is possible for us to integrate. 
right? I mean, people, Apple is integrating the, 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 the you know, heart rate taking and things like mm. that and mm. stuff like that, right? So, so you can, you can um, extrapolate, you know, what features that you want to include in there and allow people to test. Mm. Yeah. You can't ask an open-ended question. That's true, right? Say, so, what would you like to have? I mean, uh, there was one time that we asked people of ATM machines, you know, in the old days, uh, we have ATM mm-hmm. machines, and we did that for, I think, IBM or NCR, I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And we asked people um, in Hong Kong, uh, um, what would you like to have in your ATM, you know, machines? And some people give very good suggestions. Uh, they want to print a, a wedding um, cash uh, mm. kind of voucher mm. from my account but I just don't want to put like cash cash right I can print mm. the name I can print the name I can you know uh, put a very nice uh, nice uh, voucher mm. yeah mm. So, somebody give us some brilliant idea right mm-hmm. you know uh, so so then it eventually there then banks will start to think how come I cannot print I, I can also uh, provide voucher and do you know uh, marketing with um, my other merchants, right? Mm, and yeah. then tap on, on that. So when you go and withdraw money, you can actually print a voucher, uh, mm. even a discount voucher and things like that. So because banks are drawing people to the ATM machines, right? Because they operate 24 hours, you know, all the days. So so sometimes it's interesting. We, we typically would, um, would also leave like one open-ended question on there. What would be nice to have? And, Sometimes you just need one brilliant idea. Of course, sometimes you have uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, nonsensical ones, like you want a toy or something. But hey, you know, you only need one brilliant idea. Mm. Now, that's where uh, when you look for ideas, you don't look for majority to conquer. Mm. A unique idea is a spark. It's not a... Yeah. So the, the different kind of research really different kind of uh, data, right? So sometimes you look through the search or comments of your customers and so on and so forth, right? Sometimes yeah. you're not looking for the one who said mentioned most. Sometimes you look for what we call the, 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 the outliers, you know, the yeah, one exactly. out. Yeah? <laughs> so that's what we do in, in focus groups. Um, yeah, that's what we do in yeah, qualitative studies. Uh, and so when you look for ideas, you can give them some con- more concrete example, analogy of what they could do with your product. But at the same time, now that they a rough picture of what your product may be able to include, you have a little open-ended. Now, text analytics becomes very interesting now because last time I have to eyeball all the text and recode them. Now I don't have to, right? Mm. So again, exactly. um Technology, you know, in the space of analytics has really advanced so much that it makes my life a whole lot easier, right? <laughs> I used to yeah. eyeball all the open-ended questions and I hate to have open-ended questions. How many of us lift out all the open-ended questions? <laughs> right? exactly. in the, yeah, even today, even today, right? How, how oh, are you yes. going to read all your customer feedback and things like that? But those are really good. Somebody may just give a very good tips to really improve our product, right? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. you go and hire Catherine to, to do all this. <laughs> well. No, you know what? On that note as well, it's like um, also to the listeners, uh, a keen and DNA capita that 
including myself and Catherine, has been coming together. What we want to do is to be able to consult companies to give them brand marketing data as well as technological insights uh, and help you know craft that specific value proposition as what we have been talking about this whole session. So Catherine, thanks a lot for the in-depth sharing. I think we really walked away with a lot of analogies, right? Keeping um, kind of an eye on the time as well, I think we do have some uh, time for two to maximum three questions uh, from the floor. Then uh, we can have a Q&A and an FAQ for Catherine. Would that be okay, Catherine? Yes, I yeah. hope I'm ready for questions. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, but really, before anything, um, so so to the listeners, uh, if you have any questions, you can just raise your hand. Uh, if you are not too sure how to do that, you can basically just um, go to the, the corner of the tab and then you can just raise your hand and then we will give you permission to speak. Okay, so as you are doing that, uh, Catherine, uh, once again, thanks a lot for the analogies. I think... Uh, there's a lot of specific learnings to be taken away today. Uh, I think there will be quite a number of questions from the floor. Um, Sing, do you want to see if there's anyone on the ground that has a question? Okay, I think Jackson has a question. I've invited him as a speaker. Okay, you can. Hi, Jackson. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks, thanks for the sharing. Um, uh, as you said, right, um, like, uh, research will not... Um, right now, it's still not like 100% reliable, right? So I was thinking like in your opinion, uh, do you think like in the future with the help of technology and advancement, will it ever be like 100% reliable um, based like for things like forecasting of bias types or things? Okay, you mean reliable. Okay, reliability has got actually more to do with the person who designed it and the ability to um, to really extract the data. Um, so reliability deals with the, the people. You must have people who knows what they're doing and know how to do it properly, right? Uh, the data, you know, it's collected by the designer for its intended use and how they want to use it. So... I think, I don't know if I answer your question, Jackson. Um, reliability has to do with the people, but the quality of the data, right? Um, how, you know, whether it was intermittent or missing and so on and so forth, then really is the process of capturing data. The analysis, it's very technical, right? So uh, we won't get precision, so don't get it wrong that uh, data or the forecast, the analytics will get precisions. No, uh, it will not be E equals to MC squared, uh, but it will get directionally correct. Okay, and and what do I mean by that is that if you have you understood the data and the data quality is good, is useful, and the the person who is doing it is reliable, um, then the output of the result over time it will shows that this is consistent, good performing model designed and executed by reliable people. Say, for example, um, forecasting I did in Cisco uh, for 90 days ahead for the customer business performances by our salespeople selling to customers. Um, the error is less than 10%. In fact, less than 5% for 90 days across the world. So, therefore, it is something that uh, they will have error. I cannot say that you know all forecasting will have error. All models, all predictive models will have error. 
So uh, there will never be a a hundred percent. We're not discovering the law of purchases. Uh, we're just doing an estimations. And bear in mind, we are also sampling. You know, we'll never get the full population uh, to provide in, input. So we infer a married uh, a married a married person. You know, with the kind of profile will be very similar. But will there be hundred percent? No, never. Right? Because everyone is kind of unique. So. Um, there will be error, so never go and look for hundred percent accuracy. Okay, thank you. Welcome. Thanks, Jackson. Okay, maybe we have one last question from the floor. Uh, Siing moderator, is there anyone else? Okay, I've invited. Is that Tarek? Hi, Tarek. <laughs> Hello. Um, so I I was curious. Um, so you're you're talking about three G, and before it was a thing. Uh, and trying to determine whether it would work using data. But I'm wondering, when you have something so uh, new or something that, that hasn't uh, uh, yet been adopted by the uh, masses, how do you go about approaching, you know, determining whether this will, this will be adopted or whether it'll be, uh, you know, uh, accepted? by the market or whether it will be, if, if you get what I'm saying, like yeah. when you have so little data, that's basically so, my question. So it's like, it's like today, right? Uh, autonomous vehicles, right? People can see a glimpse of it already, but what would be the, what would be the adoption, adoption rate, right? In terms of it and things like that. So what would be the features uh, that we want to test from the end customer side and, and what are the things that they might be worried uh, about and so, so on and so forth, the whole decision-making, right, of it. So some of them, some of the factors could be, you know, who's going to be liable if it gets into an accident? One of the questions would be like that, right? Right, so, so are they concerned about this? And then what do they think? What do they think that, you know, who do they think is, is, is liable, right? That actually works out to be, you know, who should buy the insurance. And the next thing is, what's the cost of insurance, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's a, a few key factors in there in terms of not the total cost of ownership as well as the usability, the utility, of course, you know, the whole uh, prestige and stuff like that uh, plays a part as well. Um, so what we do is we design the experiment. We have to do very uh, careful sampling to be representative of the, the population, the marketplace, right? And then when we extrapolate it, um, there's extrapolation and how we actually look at the sensitivity of adoption, trade-off and stuff like that. So those are very specific techniques, uh, even like... Uh, a conjoint analysis or a logistic uh, regression kind of thing that we do uh, to look at multiple factors coming together to affect the decision. So the, uh, the rate of adoption actually varies by all these factors that we carefully take into consideration. I see. Thank you. Welcome. All right. Uh, with that, I Thank think you for thanks, everybody. Thanks, Tarek. Thanks, Jackson. And for the rest of the 25 of you guys who have been tuning in. Uh, Catherine, once again, thanks a lot. I think it's been great having you share some of your experience today. Uh, we would love to have you back on board one of these days again. Yeah, yeah. I hope this club has got some food or kitchen. 
Okay, lovely, right. lovely meeting all of you. All the best and please go use your data. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, thank you all. Okay, have fun and have a great uh, weekend ahead. See you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.